Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 203 of The Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here, as always, with Sarah Powers. How are you doing, Sarah? I'm good, Megan. How are you? How I'm are excited. you, really? How, no, how are you? <laughs> and who are you? <laughs> I'm so excited because today we are going to talk about knowing ourselves, which it might sound a little navel-gazy, but I think talking about ourselves and our personalities is like one of our favorite things to do. It is. And actually, I think... Today, we'll end up talking not as much about Megan and Sarah, but about what it means to know yourself, which, again, sounds so new agey and weird, but it does relate to parenting. It totally relates to parenting because I have found, you know, since I started kind of and it's evolved over the years, you know, we've taken lots of tests and we'll talk about those later, like Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, things like that. Those are one tool Mm -hmm. by which you can know yourself, but also just observing yourself, Mm -hmm. like just paying attention to how you are in situations. And the minute I started kind of looking and really looking at myself as a mom and seeing kind of what felt natural for me, what didn't, like what I was great at, what I maybe didn't care as much about, blah, blah, blah. That was when I started to really feel content as a Mm -hmm. mom. And like, I think it made me a better mom. So we're really going to talk through that context. I mean, I think I remember you writing blog posts circa 2010 or 2011 when I kind of discovered your blog and that it's not that you wrote a ton of know yourself as a mom, but that was sort of the underlying feel of your blog was that happiness as a mom, a lot of it comes back to knowing your strengths, knowing your trigger points. And that was like a through line. So this is, I mean, I think probably without even knowing it, I absorbed a lot of that from you way, way back. Yeah. And I really feel like you can't be uh, a happy and effective mom if you can't accept who you are and Mm -hmm. you can't accept who you are if you don't know who you are. So Mm. yes, I feel Mm. like that could be the end of the episode. There we go. We're done. All right. We're done. (laughs) Have a nice day, guys. No, we have a lot more to say. A lot more to say. This is one of those ones that I think we're going to have a lot of links in the show notes. Um, so definitely pay attention to those. And yes. we're just going to, but we're just going to kind of talk. Like we don't have a super strict, like strident outline on this one. Um, this is more of a Megan episode. So Megan directed means not we're as gonna follow, We're going to follow where we go. 
We're going to just we'll lead you all back <laughs> at the end or we'll just run out of time. <laughs> you'll know it's over at least because you'll hear the music because Brian will put the music on. <laughs> We're still just like talking and the music just cuts us off. I love it. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. All right, guys, let's dive in. Um, Sarah, I'm just going to ask you this question to set this up. Like, What do you think it means to you to know yourself as a person and a mom? And how are those the same and how are those different? Okay. You know, I think what you said earlier about kind of noticing and observing, and I think on this show, we talk about a lot about not being judgmental of other moms and being open to other, you know, other parents doing things different ways. But I think that applies to yourself as well. So I think a big part of knowing yourself, and I think some of this just happens as we get older. I have to tell a little story that when I was a kid, an an older kid, my parents were really into basically self-help. They would read books. They'd go to different, you know, workshops or events. And I thought it was kooky as a kid. I just remember being like, oh, this is embarrassing. Like other people's parents don't do that. And like, 
guess what? First of all, I'm really impressed that they were doing that in their 30s and 40s. And I also think it's really normal, really natural. It happens in different ways. It plays out in different ways. Um, So anyway, I think it's, it's that observation, being able to observe yourself and kind of notice your own patterns. And then also to withhold judgment and to be like, huh, I seem to be getting myself into this pattern of stress over and over again, or I seem to be triggered at the same time of day every day, or, huh, I had no idea that this part of having a baby was going to be so life altering, so hard. I wonder, I wonder what that's about. I don't think you have to go like back into childhood and go deep into psychotherapy to analyze any of this. I think just just kind it's of, all there. It's all you. there. And, right. and you get to observe yourself. I also think that motherhood sometimes changes our life circumstances or our schedules in such a way that if you've been on kind of an autopilot career yeah. trajectory for a long time, um, you just get into patterns and any, any life event that shakes up those patterns. So maybe you're home now, or maybe your schedule is different, or maybe you, you know, whatever the circumstance change is, I do think that that opens up this, you, you notice how you respond to different stress stimuli because the, the stress stimuli are different. So it's like yeah. you're in a lab and you're like, whoa, what, yeah. what am I noticing? So I think, I think that's a big part of it. I think also, I mean, for me, what it means is like being open to uh, these different tools we're going to talk about. I, I've mentioned that I used to be kind of critical of personality tests or, you know, I loved the quizzes in 17 magazine. I thought those were fun. But then as an adult, I kind of became a little bit like, I scoffed a little bit like Mm -hmm. this is too reductive. Like how can everyone fit into four types or eight types or 16 types or whatever it is. Um, And I think I've changed my tune about that a little bit, just because I think once you have a willingness to be open that any of these tools might be a good self-discovery tool, like there's no harm, right? Like there's no, so I don't know. You can't, there's nothing, there's nothing bad about knowing yourself. And I think to add to what you're saying, like for me, I've always been into personality tests, but that's part of my personality. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I do think there's a maturity thing here. I think we get more interested in the world outside our own heads, the older we get, Mm -hmm. because, and I personally think it's because by the time you get in your, you know, like mid thirties, say you've already gone through a bunch of relationships. Maybe you've had kids and Mm -hmm. now you're creating new relationships. And then the kids change your relationship with your partner and they change your relationship with your, your, your extended family. Yeah. It changes your relationship with your siblings. Like you watch them parent, you parent yourself. That's such now a how good do you point. work out the holidays? Like as your sphere grows and not just your social circle, cause anybody can have a huge social yeah. circle, but the people who are like super important to you, yes. it's just differently anchored. Um, I used to have a definite problem and this still happens. I think this is a problem that a lot of people have is really just seeing the world through my own lens Mm -hmm. and forgetting that it's not just about my background. It's not just about where I came from and who my parents were and where I live and all that, but it's also that people have innate tendencies. Mm -hmm. So if I say like, why can't he just, or why can't she just, and those are things I remember thinking like, Mm -hmm. this isn't that hard or like (laughs) you're making this harder than it has to be. Like those kind of feelings that come up often that's because my personality makes something easy and something else hard. Whereas for somebody else, it could be the complete opposite. And if you're not willing to recognize that it's an, it's, I do think there's a a bit of like a, a maturity that comes from having to maintain these relationships and all their changes. I've never thought about that piece of it, which is like, especially if you've come from a averagely stable situation and you know, you're growing up, you've talked about wasn't even that stable, but you've had the same set of relationships your whole life and haven't right. had cause to re-examine them. And you're right, you know, partnering up and kids 
and then a whole bunch of other things that can happen around that time does change that. So I, yeah. I hadn't thought about the tie, the tie in there with those long term relationships and kind of stage of life. Well, yeah. And then let's even kind of take this then into like how being not only does being knowing ourselves help us accept ourselves as moms, which I think we agree mm-hmm. makes us happier and more content, but it makes us better to our kids. Because if I'm doing that whole like, why can't he just mm-hmm. or why can't she just in my head, I'm going to apply that to my kids as yes. well. And they're not all just like me, turns out. Right. They maybe can't like not even because they're children, but there might just be something in their personalities that makes certain things a bigger deal right. and makes certain kinds of structure more important or less important. And so all of those things, like, I just think I'm way more compassionate. The more I think about myself, like who I am, the more that allows me to recognize how many other kinds of people yes. there are in the world and to really like recognize and accept those people. And if you think about it, it does take some of the pressure off when you have little babies and toddlers and it feels mm-hmm. like everything you do is shaping and influencing everything with so much fraught importance. Um, but when you do leave room for the fact that there is so much, I mean, I think you and I are both on team. There's both nature and nurture, like there's right. room for all of it. However, if we allow for some of this being just who we are, this, this inbornness or this inbornness with the effective environment also, you know, in there as a mixture um, I think it takes some pressure off of newer moms to think that every step you take is, you know, like I'm picturing one of those um, like logic paths where like if you go yeah. here, if you do this, this will happen. And then here's right. another fork in the road. Um, but it's not necessarily like that. So I think it's a a big relief. Um, and it all happens through first knowing yourself and being able to look at yourself and then allowing that, like you said, there are so many different types of people um out there including yeah. our own kids we're gonna get into like more specific you know tests and stuff later that you can do but i just want to talk a little bit about yeah. um enneagram in particular so you know enneagram um is the one that we've talked about a million times i'm a type two which is the helper you're a type one which what in your version is that the idealist i think it's sometimes called the reformer or the, the idealist i think it's okay. the reformer yeah so one of the things about type twos is that for us relationships are everything. Right. And when I kind of really read it, like written that way, I just read um, a book called The Road Back to You, which is about Enneagram. And it does say in there something like relationships are literally everything to it too. And putting it that way really helped me reframe like myself as a mom, because for me, relationship has always been first, mm-hmm. like always. And so that might make something like, I don't know, creating a chore chart, say, feel less intuitive because I would rather just have the kind of relationship with my kids mm-hmm. where they'll do what I ask. Yes. On the other hand, sometimes it gives me a blind spot because sometimes there are times when a certain kid would react better to having expectations written out someplace they can right. see them or it would make my life easier. And yeah. so I resist things sometimes that don't neatly fall into my like preferred way of doing things. And so sometimes I have to like just knowing that's my tendency mm-hmm. allows me to go, oh, okay. So that works, you know, 75% of the time. Mm-hmm. But like right now it's not working. What can I do? Well, I think differently? you've, yeah, I think you've hit on like where this really hits in parenting because knowing yourself as a mom is a part of it, but then watching these humans sort of develop in your house and recognizing that they may be different and, and need different things from you is another huge part of it. So I, I do feel like my oldest is I'm a one and ones, um, really like structure and detail. We like, we like rules and we like to follow the rules and know how 
they're done. Interestingly, my oldest, she is also a total rule follower, but it comes from a very different place for her. And she is less exacting about details. She's less organized than I am. Um, She's much more relationally oriented. Um, She cares much more about doing the right thing because it affects someone else. Whereas mm-hmm. I come from a place usually of doing the right thing because it's the right thing. And because it's the right thing. Yeah. Because the rule it's says the right so. thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it does make me, I think what for as a mom and, and raising a kid who's different than me, I think it's made me so appreciative of the gifts that she has that represent my limitations, if that makes sense. So not everything is binary, like, oh, I'm super organized and diligent. That means I'm, you know, not mm. super emotional and connected or grounded. But sometimes there is a little bit of that yin and yang. And when when I see the better I know myself and my own maybe limitations or the areas where I struggle, I see those things coming out as gifts in my kids Mm. instead of just comparing their um, meanness, like their oneness to my oneness, which isn't a fair comparison. And, and it doesn't have to be an Enneagram one thing, but whatever it is, they're checklisting their personality against mine versus seeing their personality as a whole and actually seeing some of the gifts they have that I do not. I don't know if that made sense. No, it totally makes sense. Um, I think that, yeah, like, like just being able to step outside yourself a Mm -hmm. little bit and, and see the world as not just a bunch of people that are just like you and Mm -hmm. that your traits aren't, um, like, the valid and right. The basis for like the the, the baseline for everything else. (laughs) Exactly. Like traits are just traits. They're Mm -hmm. just tendencies. And so they're not, they're neither good nor bad. How we manifest them is what's good or bad or how they affect our lives or, you know, whatever it is like being a rule follower, not being a rule follower can be good or can be bad. Either Mm -hmm. one can be both good or bad. Virtuous is the words I'm looking for. (laughs) I think there's definitely a tendency to see the way you are. Uh If you don't take time to think about it, to see the way you are and the baseline by which you enter the world as virtuous, right. as good, right, and everything else as different, weird, or bad, right. <laughs> you know? And so that, you know, having five kids, none of them are just like me, yeah. obviously. In fact, I would say maybe only one of them is even much like me. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's been, yeah, I think that's really helped me. Um, to go away from personalities for a second, mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit as well about kind of going beyond personality. One of the things that first, I think that you might've read me writing about back in like 2009 or 2010 Mm -hmm. was when I realized that even though I consider myself a free spirit, I really need rules and structure. And I need, I need some kind of stability in my life to be able to um, act as a foundation for me to make good choices from. Mm -hmm. Like I can't be creative if the ground under me is moving too much Yeah, because I go into survival mode, right? Like that's, that's how, that's a very natural thing. If you, if you don't know, I mean, taking it to a really like survivalist level or like a Maslow's, not Maslow's, what's the the pyramid, the hierarchy of needs? hierarchy is that? Yeah. Is it Maslow? Um, no, that's the dog. No, no, that's Pavlov. I think it is Maslow. <laughs> <laughs> right. Welcome to Psychology <laughs> Hour at the Mom Hour, guys. <laughs> All right. Well, if you're talking about that one dude, not Pavlov, the hierarchy probably of Maslow. Needs. Maslow, Maslow. I yes. think that's what I think it you is. just anyway, mixed up there too. You just I did, I did. Well, the hierarchy of needs. If you're going from like more of a survival, if you don't know when you're gonna eat next or if you're gonna have shelter, you can't go up the chain. Like right. then you can't focus on higher things right. like creation, like creating things and 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 self-contentment and stuff like that. 
So like, it's kind of the same when you're in this very early motherhood and trying to figure it all out. If you don't know if you're going to sleep, like Mm -hmm. you're not going to figure out how to take care of other things. And if you at some point don't get on like, like some, not even saying a schedule, I'm not saying sleep training. I'm saying if you don't figure out your environment Mm -hmm. to make room for that, Mm -hmm. it might not happen because you're survival. You're just surviving at that point. And so I think that was a big eye opener for me because I really resisted having much of a schedule or much of um, much structure in my life. Do you my kids were little? Do you remember when you did kind of have that realization and kind of start writing about it and thinking about it? Did it come from a place of wanting to be happier, more content? Did it come from a place of feeling overwhelmed because now you had three kids? I'm curious where like where that you've talked before about how kid number three sort of was a really freeing time for you because yeah. it just, it, you, your, your hands were up in the air. Like you surrendered to the things yes. that you could be good at and the things that you could no longer <laughs> pretend to be good at. Is yes. that, did it kind of come around that same time? I'm just curious. I actually think it came a little before that, but I don't think I recognized it as such. Um, I think it was when um, I spent, and I don't know that I've even talked about this on the show very much, but like uh John and I were actually separated and divorced for like a year when the kids were really little. Mm-hmm. So when Jacob and Isaac were really little. So I went back to work and actually felt fantastic while I was working. And it wasn't because I was getting like, I'm putting in air quotes, getting away from the kids or like any of that. It was because I had a structure in mm-hmm. my day, which was externally enforced on me. Mm-hmm. Like there was nothing I could do about it. I had to get up and get everyone out the door. And there were also things about that time that were very stressful. Like I really couldn't afford good daycare, for example, mm-hmm. like that was super, super stressful. But from like a taking care of the business of life mm-hmm. and staying on top of things, I felt very in control of my life at that time. So I didn't until later kind of put two and two together, but I realized later when I had Will and I did kind of throw my hands up, um, I had a job outside of the home and I, I backed way off, but I kept, I kept going in like twice a week, super part-time hours because I could see that it was good for me to have mm-hmm. a reason to leave the house. I started doing things like setting times to get together with people early in the day. Mm-hmm. And at this, at this point, my writing career was taking off, but I would do things like set up an interview early mm-hmm. because I knew that that would force me to get into work mode mm-hmm. before I really wanted to. And it wouldn't allow me to like waste half the day. So I think just that experience of having to go back to work, I think I was working um, with them like, you know, it was about a year, I guess, where I was, well, no, it was more than that because, but then I was working at a birth center and I was taking kids to work with me and stuff. So it was a little bit different, Mm -hmm. but just having that experience of like having to show up for Mm -hmm. other people and having to punch a clock essentially actually was really good for me. And I, and I took that forward with me when I was surrendering. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And, And so I think like where, where we're going with this is that sometimes the opposite of what you think you are. So there's knowing yeah. yourself, but then there's this, there's this darker side or this slippery slope of knowing yourself and then using that as sort of the, the free ticket to be the same yes. always. It, yeah, and so you for can you, use it as a like, weapon as well. Like, right. That's just who I am. You right. Know? Exactly. Like, yeah. if, so for you, that would have looked like I'm a free spirit mom. I don't do schedules. I don't need structure. Um, and you kind of had this awakening where you were like, I am a free spirit mom and not, yeah. you know, not, and, but, not, but, but, and so, and structure and routine can maybe help me be more of who I want to be. So, well, what it does is allows me to be a free spirit at the times that it matters. Mm-hmm. 
you can't do that all the time. Right. And sustain and sustain, you know, an adult lifestyle that has to happen. Well, and to take it even, you know, we've talked a little bit about parenting styles and stuff and discipline styles recently. And to take that, I, I really do think at the times of my life when I was wildly flip-flopping between authoritarian and permissive, which mm-hmm. I did, you know, mm-hmm. I haven't done that a lot, but like there were definitely times it's been during times of high stress where I don't know what I stand for. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know why I was doing something and I didn't have the foundation under me to make, to allow me to be who I want to be, which is sort of like this authoritative, but on the softer side of authoritative, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, you know, there's always a spectrum, right? Um, that's like the mom that I want to be, but I can't build the relationship you have to have Mm -hmm. to have that kind of style of parenting. If I don't know what's happening, Mm -hmm. if I'm always mad because there's toys everywhere, because nobody follows any rules because I didn't set up any rules. Like those things all have to happen. Like I can't just be this like, you know, warm, loving earth mother floating around the house, like loving on everybody if I'm mad all the time. Right. And <laughs> I don't know why if, it's, a, it's an awesome image. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Though? Like, yeah, no, it's a perfectly described. You, you get ragey when mm-hmm. things are constantly a hot mess. Mm-hmm. It, it might start off as just low lying stress. But after a while, like that low level of stress mm-hmm. will just irritate. It's an irritant. And it's mm-hmm. just eh, 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 mm-hmm. eh. It's the same as anything like whining or constant like the tv's up too loud Mm -hmm. or whatever the thing is that's like a constant irritant can take you over the edge from low level stress into something like a like a bubbling seething rage and then you can't be who you want to be regardless Mm -hmm. of what kind of parent you want to be and then and on the other end of it i think you could take it the other direction and say okay so say i want to have all these rules but i make my house too structured too rigid to where everyone's like afraid of me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they're all rebelling. Like th- you could take yeah, it or for, to the other spectrum. Or for me, I think where it comes out since I am on the other end of the spectrum is um, I am excellent at things that can be easily measured or quantified or yeah. scheduled. Um, I am not excellent at feeling the feelings in the moment. And so mm. what like any good counselor or therapist will tell you is like those feelings are there. Right. <laughs> they require to be felt. They they want to be felt. And if they're not felt in the everyday ins and outs of the day, like, man, that really hurt my feelings or man, right. um, you know, I'm just feeling sad today or I'm worried. But if they're not felt, they will come out either physically. Like I've learned a lot about how my body manifests physically. What maybe mm. was just like you said, that low level stress for too long to, you know, and the, you know, the ability to express yourself emotionally, either to your partner or in your journal, or even to just feel, I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. like without going too far down this rabbit hole, I sometimes have a hard time actually feeling feelings. Like I will look at other people being sad or worried or scared. And I'm like, huh, (laughs) like a little bit of a robot. So that's like, and that's, I'm guessing that is not your problem at all. Right. Like that is no, that's, (laughs) (laughs) I feel all the feels. Right. So, but that's another way where now we've gone away. We're not talking about discipline or rules in the house, but another way where when you let that underlying stress build up, we all have different coping mechanisms a and response and stress responses so all of that no matter what kind of like no matter where you are in the process of any of this like I think that's a really good foundational knowledge to have and some people have done you know years of therapy and reading and this is familiar but if it isn't I mean if this is new to you I think that's those 
like the two things we just said are important to know, which is you can't be the parent you want to be if you are at that bubbling over stress rage. Yeah. And that two feelings and emotions have to go somewhere. They have to be let out. And if they're not let out healthily and regularly, other stuff happens. Other stuff happens. (laughs) Sarah, I'm curious, like what, you know, you mentioned like paying attention to what's happening in your body and blah, blah, blah. Is that something like, did you have a health issue that you went, oh, what's happening here? Oh, it's stress. Or was it more like you just got better? Yeah, I think I think recognizing it's, it. I think it's gone in swings. I think I've always carried stress in my physical body, like my whole life. Everything from like picking my cuticles when I'm oh, okay. stressed till they bleed and like things, little manifestations like that, holding my body tensely or whatever. Um, but I also think that since having kids, I I'm gonna use the word hypochondria, but I, I want you guys to know I'm not using it really clinically, but I, a kind of um paranoia about health issues, both with myself and my kids that at times gets really like needs to be addressed. Like I, I am, I go down rabbit holes of worrying about stuff with either my own health or my kids. Um, and then that can, if, especially if it's with my own health, if I am worried about something that's wrong with my own body, then physical symptoms start to crop up. And I know Mm. that sounds like psychosomatic, but there is I mean, it's, it's just true that you're, you, the stress that you're under emotionally or mentally can come out physically. And it's taken me a long time. Like, I didn't really believe that. It would be something I would read. I'm like, yeah, but like, how can something I'm worried about in my mind show up physically, physiologically mm-hmm. in my body? But, you know, we know that kids get stress stomach aches. People get ulcers. People get stress headaches or um, what's the reflux, like the heartburn or, yeah. you know, we know there's a connection. I think it, I just thought it didn't apply to me. Like, no, no, no. I can separate like whatever stress is going on in my mind and still have a healthy functioning body. So I don't, yeah. I, haven't, I didn't have like any major medical scare, but I over time have come to accept that when I am stressing over things it, mentally, it comes out physically in my body as, as crazy yeah. as that sounds, or maybe it doesn't no, sound No, I don't think it you, sounds but. crazy at all. I, I have, I've, have noticed that in various ways when I've been in times of like real big stress where I can feel it. Right. But what I find interesting is now I find myself having like, I'll, um, I have to catch my breath a lot. Like mm-hmm. I feel like breathless or I also feel this feeling at the back of my throat. Like I have to yawn. Mm-hmm. And I think it's cause I'm literally not breathing. Mm-hmm. I'm breathing really shallowly. Um, so I feel like I'm like the opposite of hyperventilating. Like right. I'm not like, I'm literally not getting enough oxygen. And I think that's something I might not even have noticed at one part of my life. Right. I might've just yawned or I don't know, felt kind of weird and whatever. Like I, everything was moving so fast right. and I wasn't really like really paying that close of attention. And it's definitely been something. And it's not always because there's something major happening in my right. life. Sometimes yes. it's just, Oh, for whatever reason I'm internalizing yes. stress in this way right now. And I, so. yeah. And I think, I know we got to take our break, but I think the final um, thought I will put on that is that proactive stress management, things like exercise, sleep, um, meditation, like the big ones, nutrition, hydration, those things. Um, those aren't, they're not really band-aid solutions for when you're in a pattern of chronic stress. They, I mean, they, they will certainly help bring you back down to regulated, but, um, they are preventive measures. And so that's so hard when you're in the weeds. We know if you're in survival mode, you, you're not sleeping, you're not 
eating. But you and I are out of survival mode. And I think like some of us have this like superhero mentality where it's like, Mm -hmm. well, why would I meditate every day? I'm feeling pretty good right now. And, And so that's fine. But I don't think those things are meant to bring you out of a really high stress period. They're really meant where they're really effective is in preventing. Keeping you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. All right, Sarah, we're going to, we're going to go as fast and furious in this as we can, which is hard because these are all things that we love to talk about. Right. Um, (laughs) But remember, we will also link a lot of this stuff up in the notes. So if we don't get to talk a lot about one of these things, then you can still kind of explore it on your own. Yeah. And I want to really quick before we dive in, um, this is a good time to say that if you guys, so we do more than mom episodes every other Sunday. Um, we also do sometimes occasional bonus episodes. And those of you part of our Patreon community, you know that you get audio classes each quarter. So I think we'd love to gauge interest on, like we would totally do a deep dive, I think on Enneagram or the love languages I've really wanted to do. Um, so just let us know, email us, hello at the momhour.com, you know, keep us posted on how deep you want to go with this stuff. Cause I think it's really yeah. fun. And this episode is meant to kind of be a more general discussion, but then, you know, you I tell mean, us. I feel like each of these could be its own, its own episode. <laughs> After we so. stop recording, we're just going to vox each other for another two hours. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> All right. So, so let's talk about some of these tools for knowing yourself. And we're going to start with personality tests because everyone knows Sarah and I love them. We already talked about the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Myers-Briggs. I am an ENFP. 
Sarah, you are? I am an ISFJ, I think. The problem is the middle two letters, you know, when you get the like slider bar where you're like really extreme. Yeah. So the first and the last letter um, for you, that's an E and a P. For me, I'm the opposite. So I'm the introvert and the judging. Those two are like strong and definite. The two in the middle, I've tested. I'm really close in the middle. So I think my most accurate is ISFJ, I believe. Fellow Myers-Briggs people, you guys can diagnose me and tell me. I've I've never gotten (laughs) enough into it to try to really figure out which. Yeah. And I think it's like one of those things, like with Enneagram, if you take the free test, which we will link up, I mean, you can find out a certain amount, but if there's any confusion, sometimes like reading a book or really getting into it. We're talking to people. I have found most of like the really value I get is like by nerding out with someone else. So I totally, yeah, totally agree. So I like um, 16personalities.com for Mm -hmm. a really simple Myers-Briggs, free Myers-Briggs test. um, And it's got cute little cartoons for the, the types. And it's just a fun way to kind of, and The difference between Enneagram and Myers-Briggs is Myers-Briggs is kind of how you present to the world, whereas Enneagram really dives into like your base motivators. Like what are the things that why do you do what you do Mm -hmm. and what are your fears? And that I will I will just say I had a hard time when I first read like my Myers-Briggs was like, oh, this is great. I'm like an enthusiast and I'm an extrovert. And like, you know, I think mine is the diplomat. I think that's the name of my little guy. And that was, it was all flattering and great. And then I did the Enneagram and it was not flattering and it was not great because mm-hmm. I felt like it really exposed me. Like it pulled back the curtain mm-hmm. on some things about myself that I would prefer to not have to face necessarily. However, knowing those things has really been pretty transformative and it's really helped me see a lot about the way I behave in my relationships in a different light. Well, Um, the other thing that Enneagram does well, and I'm sure the others will do this if you dive down, but it really does a good job of talking about what each number looks like at a a healthy, grounded, secure, you know. They're all great at the healthy, secure state. It's not like any one number is better than the other. I mean, I you know, could be painted as very uptight and unfeeling, but there are a, a really healthy one has a lot to give and a lot yeah. to offer in relationships. So what's cool about it is with every number, you can kind of see like, the Where path you, you are. could go down like, yes. or when you're at your best, like, cause we all, yeah. when we're at our best, we are the best version of ourselves. And that doesn't mean we're all the same. Right. Um, so I love, I feel like Enneagram of all of them does the best job of that. And that, that sort of takes the pressure off of like, which is the best, which is the best right. personality. And there's no such thing. And, and I think that that's why it can be very uncomfortable because when you read it, you read all the great parts of your personality and then you read the parts that aren't, can be not so great. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever not been healthy in your life, like if you've ever gone down that path to where you're insecure, insecure, whatever, you're going to recognize that yeah. and it's going to hit you in the gut. Like that's the part where it's like, oof, like maybe I'm not like that right now, but I definitely recognize my ability to mm-hmm. become that person. And so it's just like, if I was reading about someone else's type, it, I wouldn't feel one way or the other. Cause I'd be like, nope, not me. Right. <laughs> you know it's funny. I, mean? I just had Brian, I, I've diagnosed my husband's Enneagram for like four years and never actually had him take the test. And we finally just kind of got into it the other night. Um, but his question was when we figured out his type and we read more about it and he was nodding along and we read the thing where it matches up his type with mine and read about our relationship we're we're nodding. And he said, yeah, but okay, there's nine types. If I just happen to go down a rabbit hole of another number, is it enough where I'd be nodding along and like seeing myself in that number? And I said, I don't, I don't really think so. Like if no. I read you another number, you, it wouldn't feel like you. And that's, and right. that's true for me too. So it's not like they're, it's not like, 
you know, going to a psychic where they're general enough that it could apply to, <laughs> you know, like, like reading your horoscope yes, where it's like, exactly. this could happen today or maybe not. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what he yes. actually compared it to that. Like, let's be just vague enough that you could see yourself in any of these nine numbers. And I don't really think you can with Enneagram. Yeah, no, I don't see myself, especially the more I've read about twos. I don't see myself in any of the others yeah. anymore. So, um, there's others you can do like strengths finder, which I think is a great one for work. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I have both done strengths. We did finder. it, but I immediately forgot what my yeah, strengths are. Yeah. It's like, it pulls like your, well, I found it a little confusing. It pulls out like your top five strengths out of 25 strengths. And yeah. I read that and was like, okay, now what? But yeah. I think if you're looking like if you were building a team sure. and you knew that you needed to have people from very specific things. Yeah. Um, we've talked about the four tendencies, Gretchen Rubin's, mm-hmm. um, that's a really simple test, yeah. which is why I like it. And the book um, is, the book is fun too, because unlike, you know, there's not a lot to learn. It's really simple. And then the book gives you lots to think about. So I'd recommend that one. It's just fun. And it, it, it plays nicely with, it pairs nicely with these other things. I yeah. Think. Um, love languages is something that I think it's not exactly a personality test, but it's definitely like a, this is how I relate to others mm-hmm. in a relationship and what's important to me in a relationship. And again, it's very simple. You, mm-hmm. It's like five. There's mm-hmm. five love languages. And you, I actually tested, I tied for the top two and then the middle two. Okay. Yeah. And that's the other thing is it's not like you just get one. It just right. ranks them for you. So it kind right. of shows you the way, if you're not familiar, love languages is about how you feel most love. So in a relationship, like how your partner could best appreciate you. And then if your partner took the test, vice versa, which I think is really yeah. interesting. So Sarah, do you read self-help books? I do. I like self-help books. Um, I used to read a ton of self-help books and I really, besides the Enneagram one, I really haven't recently. Yeah. I mean, I, I resisted them for a long time. I think, like I said, like as a kid, I thought it was so dorky that my parents had these self-help books on the table. And I I just thought like, you know, who needs that? And then I read parenting books and really, Mm -hmm. I mean, parenting books which I loved, um, really were a form of self-help books because I felt like I was increasing my knowledge and feeling secure. And the type of books I was reading were not super prescriptive at all. They weren't making me feel guilty. Like we've talked about some methods. It's like this way or the highway. I was naturally gravitating toward books that left me feeling like I could make my own decisions. And so I really think that was kind of a form of self-help books in the early days. But I, I can... I have a pretty wide definition. I think an inspiring memoir can have that self-help effect um, or really great writing, especially if you are a writer. Um, I've felt really inspired just by books about writing, books about creativity. Um, You know, I love like kind of the Brene Brown school of self-help that just that genre. Um, So, you know, I do like now that you now that you mentioned that I did read. um, I never know how to say her name. Pima Chodron. Oh, yeah. Pima Chodron. Chodron. Yes. Chodron. I read her book, Comfortable with Uncertainty, Mm -hmm. which was very helpful. I read that a few years ago when I was in a very uncertain time of my life. I also have to say this is not self-help, but I just read um, a big, I got a big hardcover book of Mary Oliver poems. Yeah. And it's kind of like reading self-help. Yes. Like it's just inspiring. And her poems read like lessons. Like Uh each one is a little lesson. Yeah. Have you read... Oh, sorry. Go no, go ahead. You. I got excited. Have you read Gifts from the Sea, Anne Mora Lindbergh? No. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, it's super old, right? Like she was Charles Lindbergh's wife. It's, it's like this meditation. She was a working mom of five and her husband was this famous pilot. And it's, it's really short, but it is that kind of meditative. And it's amazing how kind of current it is. Um, yeah. Like motherhood meditations kind of. Well, sometimes, and, and sometimes reading another one, I was just thinking of, um, I like Danny Shapiro a uh-huh. lot and I've read a few of her, like I kind of went through a little thing where I read like a bunch of her memoirs right in a row. Right. Sometimes reading someone else and they're more like, es- like the ones I read were more like collections of right. essays 
kind of grouped chronologically yes. so they feel like a memoir. But when you read about someone else realizing things about themselves, yes. it helps you realize things about yourself. Absolutely. And so in, yeah. almost most effectively. And I would put any any one of the kind of popular motherhood memoir type books, yeah. um, Rachel Macy Stafford's books, like anything like that. Actually, she's a great example of where it kind of crosses from personal essays into self-help in a right. really gentle way that just kind of like, you know, invites you to think about this without being prescriptive. I mean, I think I think business books, um, business slash creativity, entrepreneur, any of those books, um, anything about, you know, how people think, how teams work together. I, so I, yes, I like it all because I think anything that gets those wheels turning, especially in the years where you have really little kids and you're not having those kinds of conversations about, you know, how people work together and personalities. Right. And it's kind of, it's almost an escape if you're yeah. in the little years. So I love oh, it all. Totally. Yeah. Yes. And, and even books about productivity and things, right. like things exactly. that just get you thinking in a different way about how you, your habits yes. like and how they're created. Yeah. So, so I think we need to rename that genre. Book. I think we need to rename because self-help makes it like, to me, I picture like a sad person in the aisle yeah. of the bookstore looking for some it's more, well sad... now they now they call it personal development and okay. i think that that actually so we don't need more... to rename the genre it's no, already, it's already been, been done, done. <laughs> Barnes and noble did it for us all right good i might cross that off my list because i right. feel like i needed to get that done <laughs> you were gonna like go on a, like a mission to rename this um okay what about journaling you we talked about journaling a little bit do you you don't really do a lot of journaling no but it would probably be really good for me <laughs> like so, just yeah. the free, the free association. I think we've talked about this before, but being a writer, I get real tripped up not having an audience and, and journaling oh, purely right. for the sake of like letting it all out. I have yeah. tried and gotten a little better in the last year, year and a half. Um, and I don't, it, feel, it still feels hard and awkward, which probably is a good sign that it's a good exercise for me. Just like, yeah. a, just like fitness or something. Yep. <laughs> it, it feels a little bit uncomfortable. Therefore. Yes. So do I? Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. So I think I talked in a recent episode about the fact that I was journaling a lot and yeah. I started doing it in a Google doc. Mm -hmm. I used to always do pen and paper. Then I switched to a Google doc. I've just switched back to paper. Um, lots of reasons for that. Just briefly. I think when I started the online journal, it was like four months ago, I was going through a lot of stuff mm -hmm. and I just wanted to say a lot of words and I didn't want the fact that I'm, I don't have terribly good handwriting and I'm not a very fast writer yeah. with my hand. I didn't want that to slow me down. So I was just like, boop, boop, boop. so I can type super fast mm -hmm. and like pages and pages and pages and pages and pages. I mean, sometimes a ridiculous amount of content. And it was literally like, dear diary, like to dear diary. I didn't actually say dear diary, but it was very much like today I did this and this and this. And why didn't he call me? And yeah. what, like stupid crap <laughs> like that. Right. Um, and then I started to get like sick of myself. Like you, after a while, you get sick of hearing yourself say, say the same crap over and over and, and I started to realize I don't need to do that anymore. Like, I don't need to dump that hard anymore. Mm -hmm. So I switched back to my written journal because now I want a slower, like when mm -hmm. I write something, I want it to count. And mm -hmm. I want to say it because I meet, like I did all the dumping and now I'm just taking all the things I dumped and like making sense of them. Mm -hmm. And I'm, and I can do that in a very much slower way mm -hmm. with a lot fewer words. So mm -hmm. it just makes sense to go back to written. But like, I feel like the time of your life and, yeah. Whether you have kids crawling on you or not, whether you have a good pen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> whether you have a journal that you like, like all that can change the way you relate to your journal. Yeah. And I think um, journaling by itself is probably could be a great tool for self-discovery and getting to know yourself and processing emotions. 
But if you're not in the right headspace or you don't have the other tools or knowledge, it may also not be. So I guess don't feel like, don't feel bad if journaling isn't cathartic for you or if it feels like it's just repetitive. Cause you know, just like venting to a friend, like there's healthy venting where you kind of can take a breath and move on. And then there's that kind of toxic venting where you just, maybe you, or maybe someone, you know, just wants to bring it up and rehash and rehash and rehash and rehash. So I think with journaling, both can happen. And so it's not in and of itself. It's not like this magical portal to self-knowledge. I think it's just, yeah. it's like one it's of one the, tool, one on ramp, you know, it's well, one. and that's kind of what ended up happening with me. I, when I was able to fill so many pages because I can type so fast, <laughs> I realized I was starting to perseverate. Like, yeah. you know, you literally wire your brain yeah. and you can wire your brain to fixate on things. Yes. And if all you do is write about the way the way you feel wrong or the yeah. way you're messed up or the situation that's not going well, or your feelings, or about, how like, you're probably you, dying and your kids are too. Ex- just, for that, just for example, just for example, you actually can do the opposite. Like yeah. you can start mm-hmm. to wire your brain only yes. to think about that. Yes. And I kind of felt like I was getting on the edge of that being the thing. And I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. So I took a break from uh, journaling at all. Mm-hmm. And then I, and then I just went back to a paper journal and it's, so I feel really good about it. Okay, so that's great. But you sometimes just taking a break. Like when you feel like a broken record and you're sick of yourself, that's a good indicator that <laughs> yes. maybe it's not actually helping you progress yeah, anymore. I think that's really good. I want to go back to something you just said, which was actually one of my things I wanted to hit on. But since you already brought it up, um, doing the hard thing, like doing the thing that doesn't feel native to you, mm-hmm. I feel like is a very powerful tool. For knowing yourself. I saw so, this in the outline and I was yeah. like, oh yes, I had not thought of this. So please, please. So, so the examples that came to mind, and I think fitness is a great one. Like when I did that yoga challenge, I don't like, to, I'm not a joiner. Mm-hmm. I don't like other people's schedules telling me what to do. I don't like to be that physically active, to be very frank. Like, mm-hmm. like I don't like challenging myself physically that like over and over like that. I like to do it on my own, like when I feel like it. Mm-hmm. And so kind of forcing myself to do something that challenged all of those Mm -hmm. tendencies was really helpful. I think it could also be like something like if you're someone who usually talks your problems through with a friend, Mm -hmm. what if you didn't do that? Mm -hmm. What if you went home and just sat by yourself and thought about it? Mm -hmm. Or like if you're someone who tends to talk, what if you listened? Mm -hmm. Or if you're someone who tends to go out and, um, I don't know, be around other people when you're feeling bad. What Mm -hmm. if you did the really hard thing and Mm -hmm. you just went home? Like, I like there's lots of ways this could play out, Mm -hmm. but you learn a lot about yourself when you do the opposite of the thing that Mm -hmm. you want to do. And I think the nice thing is it's just an experiment. Like you don't have to change who you are, but like, if you are, I'm thinking of like new motherhood days and like for someone like me, a controller, the stressors of like sleep, just being Mm -hmm. sleep, bad sleep at night for your baby when you have a controlling personality is it's almost like double torture because it's the torture of you haven't slept in four months, but then it's the torture of him trying to apply logic and knowledge and systems to something that's not to a newborn's development, which is like inherently nebulous and dynamic. And like, it just, so it makes you crazy because it's something you want to control but you can't and you're sleep deprived. Um, but I guess like where I was going with that is the thing that holding on tighter and applying more systems and reading more books and trying to figure out more, the hard thing would be to let go. Right. Yeah. And to say for this week, I'm not going to write down what time he went to bed or what time he woke up. Yeah. I'm not going to look at the 
clock and have him cry for 30 minutes before going in. I'm literally going to give myself a break from trying to control the outcome and just see what happens. And the nice thing is about that, to use a new motherhood example, like you're not going to break your kid in one week. By right. the opposite <laughs> token, you could be a, a free, like, you know, very little structure, more like you were, Megan, and say for one week, I'm going to try to stick to a routine and see what happens. Yep. Like it's it's, yep. it's an experiment that you can do without messing up your kid or changing who you are. It's just and an it goes experiment. Back, it goes back to like what we were saying about telling stories about yourself. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not someone who does mom's groups. Okay. You don't have to be. I, I really wasn't that person right. either. However, there were times in my life when that was really helpful, like yeah. having something like that to do. So, you know, the mommy and me, it's not my thing, but what if I just tried it? Mm-hmm. What if I just yeah. did this thing that made me really uncomfortable? Yeah. Um, or on the other side, it could be the opposite. Yeah. Like I am this person who always goes, goes, goes and takes my baby everywhere. Mm-hmm. And like, I have this group of moms and today I'm not feeling it. What if you skipped it? Even though it might make you more uncomfortable to skip it, mm-hmm. it might be just the thing you need to kind of help you see why you do things. Yeah. I don't know. It's just yeah. interesting. I agree. Um, you know, with fitness routines, like I am not a runner, I am not a CrossFitter. Like I always joke about that kind of yeah. stuff, but I have seen like those kinds of things be transformative for mm-hmm. people. Like just saying, if you say like, I'm not someone who can do X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. and then you do that thing. Like it really can be pretty mm-hmm. cool. I agree. Watch. I agree. Yeah. Um, okay. So what about therapy? counseling, coaching, those kinds of things. Yeah. I mean, I think all of those things are, I think that is probably at its core, one of the most effective ways to have someone else ask you questions that you haven't asked yourself. And that could look like traditional therapy, could look like family or couples therapy. It could also look like some kind of um, coaching program, like more of a life coach thing. If that feels more your style, a lot of that happens virtually. Nowadays, um, I mean, even with our business, Megan, like we've talked about, like, gosh, just someone from the outside, like you can be the wisest, smartest. In fact, most um, coaches and therapists and counselors will tell you they have a coach or therapist or counselor. Like you can be the wisest, most intuitive and really have a lot of self-knowledge already. And there's still so much benefit to having. Well, someone from the outside outside. sees Mm -hmm. something you don't see because you're too close to it. Yes. or whatever you know it's yeah. not a it's not a negative it's not a criticism um and it doesn't have to be a long-term investment like I have gone to literally two sessions with the therapist before I've been like that was cool right like, I did everything I needed to do with those two sessions I like I, I don't need to go forever right um I just talked through this got a little a different perspective I feel better I feel unloaded like whatever it is I yeah. went in it for it's not like something that you're committing to forever. I also think like we get to this place in our, you know, late thirties, early forties, where it's a little bit more normalized. Like I remember thinking that if someone was in counseling or therapy, you know, they were in crisis and not like not holding a lot of judgment, but just being like, wow, they must have something big going on. I, I feel like either the times have changed, which they probably have, but also Um, just as we get older, I think it's more normalized to be getting support for some area of life. And I also think like, luckily we're in a time where it's also pretty normal for kids to be working through something with some kind of a professional. And that like, there's a huge umbrella of what that means, but I think it's, you know, I've heard it described as like, we all, we need coaches for our sports. We might need coaches for our business. We might need coaches for our emotions sometimes. Like we just, we have this. And so hopefully that has removed some of the stigma about it, but I know it is still, it's still hard for some people. Well, and it's, yeah, I think it's us getting older, but yeah, I think the times have definitely changed Mm -hmm. and, and hopefully I I feel like it's even that much more 
just out there that this is just a mental health thing that like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean you're in crisis or right. being in crisis also isn't the end of the world. Like right. people get in and out of crisis, crisis and like, yeah. So definitely yes. something good to look into. And um, I don't really think there's any specific links or anything we can give for that, but it's just to keep in mind. Yeah. Yes. And, and just to like, just put a little plant, a little seed that it's more people are getting support than you probably think or realize. Yes. Um, so that it's not like some big thing. It's a, it's a little yeah. thing like hiring yeah. a personal trainer at the gym. You can go to the gym by yourself or you can go and meet with a trainer. Both are fine. They're good for different goals and different phases of life, but you still go to the gym and see people working on their own people working in a class and people working with a trainer. So I think if you yeah. think of it like that, like, how are you doing your personal development? Well, I'm reading books and, you know, going to a small group at church. How are you doing right. yours? I'm seeing yep. a therapist and, you know, whatever. So yep. it's like, it's just, a, yeah, I think diffusing it a little bit and just seeing it like that, I think is helpful. Yep. Um, another one that we listed was um, faith groups or church. Mm -hmm. I actually just started going to church again after not going for a very long time. Um, I guess I got, I don't know, I grew up in church, a variety of churches and had a few bad experiences and kind of just got burned out on it. Like I didn't really know why I was going anymore. And so then I kept hearing about this one in town. I call it a TED talk for God. It's like, <laughs> I love it. It's only church in the most, uh, it's, it's basically like there's secular music. The lights are off. So not only do you not have to like do the piece, you know, what I'm talking about mm -hmm. Sarah. Yeah. yeah. You oh, don't yeah. have to do that. You don't even have to look at anybody because you're looking forward and it's like this multimedia presentation, but there's all these like really good speakers and it's just been helpful for a like going, okay, on a Sunday morning, I'm going to get up and go to this thing. Yeah. That's kind of like church, but more like a Ted talk. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just making me think about what are the things that I enjoyed about having a faith and what are the things that aren't as important to yes. me and what, and also it's very, it's, it's very personal development. -y. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is your relationship with God, but here is the way that this makes your life better. It makes you a better person, makes you, um, a better example of that in the world. And so to me, like there was a lot of that missing from a lot of churches I had attended on one end or the other. Like sometimes I would feel like there was no talk about how to be like a better person or mm -hmm. like, and then sometimes there was just basically about being a perfect person and right, never making mistakes yeah. and so prescriptive that I was like, I didn't feel like it, it didn't fit. And I feel like this has been a really good fit for me right now. Will I stay there forever? I don't know. I don't, I'm not, I don't feel like I have to. Um, but sometimes just being open and really where that came from is I'm part of this local group. That's actually a bunch of entrepreneur dudes. I think mm -hmm. I'm like one of two women. And I just posted in there as like, Hey, I know a lot of you guys are like, you know, go to church, any recommendations. And I kind of gave my stipulations, like social justice is important to me. Certain mm -hmm. things are important to me. This is not so important to me, blah, blah, blah. And, um, I got lots of recommendations and this was one that came up again and again. So I was like, I'll go check it out, you know? And, and it's not, I didn't take my kids. I went mm -hmm. all by myself because I felt like that was way less pressure than mm -hmm. showing up with all my kids on day one, you know? Right. Um, so it's just, I feel like there's lots of ways to dip a toe into mm -hmm. something like that if you're interested and it doesn't have to be like, now I'm going to become, yeah, like, you know, label. I'm going to, I'm going to join this Baptist church or I'm right. going to become an Episcopalian. Like it doesn't have to be like that. Yeah. You really can just show up and check it out and sit in the back. Yeah. That's cool. And I think yeah. the same could be said for, um, people who are deeply entrenched in a particular faith community who yeah. start to outgrow it in some way. Yeah. I mean, I, I have friends in there, you know, like this stage of life that we're in who have gone through the reverse faith transition, mm. which is realizing that something that 
was pretty fundamental to how you were raised is no longer fitting or working. So that's, I mean, that's another side of the self-knowledge thing is just like being open to those experiences or experiments, sorry, Um, being, being open to be like, what would it feel like if this wasn't my label for the rest of my life? What, you know, what would the first step be? So, yeah. 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 Well, we also listed retreats and workshops. Again, I think those are just kind of all the things we just mentioned in one like yeah. weekend, <laughs> yeah. you know, and we've had, I ran a retreat a few years ago mm-hmm. and you helped me a lot with that. I felt like that was, I mean, even for me as the person who ran it um, yeah. was really cool and very, just very transformative and, and just got like getting to know other people and like where they are and whatever their yeah. journey is. And it just was really helpful. So, it's having something, it's also requires putting something on the calendar, which for moms who are so giving of themselves to their family time, it is in itself a sort of declaration that your own personal development is important. So back to, back to throwing my parents under the bus, they did go away, usually individually, but several times to kind of retreat type things. Um, and they would always joke when they came back that they like were improved, like, you know, like they, you know, yeah. yeah. And so, um, but that is, it says something about what's important. You can do that as a couple, you can do it as a family. I actually really want to go to like family camp or some kind of like family retreat. Yeah. So it, it, like we talk about all the time when we talk about calendar planning, it requires that you put that rock on the schedule and say, I'm going to spend time and money on either myself or my marriage or whatever it is. And it's, it doesn't have to it's not going to all happen in that one weekend, but I like, I like the commitment it requires um, because I think you get a lot out of something when you've set aside time and money and we, you know, we've seen that. So. And it, 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 it starts the conversation with yourself yeah. or your, mm-hmm. with your spouse or whatever it is. And, and I think that a lot of us travel and for a lot of reasons, like we go on a girlfriend's getaway, but that's not a retreat. Right. We go right. um, yes. on a family vacation. That is not a retreat necessarily. Like we go on a work trip. That's not a retreat. Right. Like right. We are literally talking about taking time out of your schedule where the whole focus is bettering something, yep. whether mm-hmm. it's you in your personal life, your faith, your marriage or relationship, whatever it is. Like that's the focus. Yeah. And a lot of times the travel that we do um, is scattered. It's yes. not really all that focused on yeah. that. So no, I think that's yeah. an important one. Um, okay. Well, should we wrap up? We will yeah, have. Say I think we talked a lot. We did. Do you feel like you know yourself better or me better? No, I just talked a whole bunch about what <laughs> we already knew. We already, you know, we're going to get off and talk about this more, but yeah, well, it's good. Let us know what you think, guys. Um, let us know where you are in your personal development journey, how it impacts your life as a mom. We love hearing from you. We love your emails. It's hello at the That is the best place to reach us. I will say that Facebook and Instagram messages, we see them all. We try our best, but they sometimes fall into a black hole um so yeah reach out email us hello at the momhour.com and megan we'll talk to you soon talk to you soon the mom hour is supported by partners like erica erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health study focus sleep and daily balance Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. 
Go to Erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code TheMomHour to save 20%. Hey everyone, Sarah here. Megan and I would absolutely love it if you hit pause right now, right where you're listening and left The Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, that's one of the absolute biggest ways you can thank us. And it really takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, just navigate to the Mom Hours show listing. So not the episode you're listening to right now, but the kind of landing area for our show as a whole. And then scroll down to leave a rating or review. Thank you so much.